0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts world renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
1: My worry is that that skill, that knowledge, doesn't exist within organizations. And therefore, they don't know what they don't know. So therefore, when they are starting to create the AI systems, they're not going to include it in the training. So it's not going to be as powerful because they haven't put that into the machine learning that needs to take place. And even if they did, if they don't understand the data and the output that therefore is being given, then they're not going to be able to interpret it in the right way.
2: All of this, though, is top down designed and, and, you know, usually smart scientists will try to figure out what shape the data is in so that they can best model it accurately. Machine learning and then to an even more extent, AI takes that structure, that imposed structure out and it lets the computer iterate and learn. So it just tries things kind of in a brute force fashion over and over again until it comes up with its own relationships and its own structure that meets the needs of the data.
1: What worries me is I think that most people will start to look at AI from a cost reduction perspective, increasing productivity, blah, 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 blah. And classically, customers will get thought of second rather than first. So Ryan, back in November, I was presenting at a conference, a company called Clarabridge, and they do lots of customer satisfaction software. So they gain lots of data and stuff like that. And I was having a really interesting conversation with a few other people there and based on my presentation. So today we're going to talk a bit about memory and artificial intelligence and I personally think this is one of the most significant areas that businesses have an opportunity to move into over the next few years. To start off with,
2: may I ask you to just tell everybody about fishing nets? Sure. Yeah, as, as we often do when we talk about sci-fi topics like memory and <laughs> artificial intelligence, we're going to start off by talking about fishing. I'm sure there are people sitting out there going, what in the bloody hell are, <laughs> what are these guys talking it did, about? It did kind of sound like you, you were starting to pitch a sci fi novel to us, Colin. All right, picture it. You have memory, you got artificial intelligence, the robots have taken over.
1: The only interest that we've got at the moment now is that the people are sitting there thinking,
2: how in the bloody hell are they going to tie these together? But like, to be all, clear, we I will would read that book, Colin, if you choose to write that book next. <laughs> that's right up my alley. All right, let's talk about fishing. So this is a, a metaphor that I uh, developed when I was trying to teach my students about memory, and uh, Colin and I have kicked it around on several previous podcast episodes. Memory: the current theories of memory are that memory exists as a network structure. So it's a bunch of different ideas, thoughts, emotions, feelings that are all stored in your your mind, and they're all connected in various ways. So certain memories are more closely tied to others. That's one part of of memory that's important for my students to learn. The other part is, is what's known as spreading activation. So when you activate a memory, you don't just activate that single element by itself. This rippling activation, this spreading activation. So memories that are are tied closely to it in this structure are also activated to a lesser degree. So the the metaphor I used to explain is imagine a a fishing net. So it's all of these knots that are are linked together. And imagine then that it's spread out at the bottom of a shallow pool. So you can think about like a, a kiddie pool. You then now activate a memory. So you think about some brand, think about some experience. That would be like grabbing one of the, the knots in this net and pulling it so that it's above the surface of the water. So now it's, it's in conscious awareness. You are aware of this memory. But as you pulled up that knot, you're dragging the rest of the net up with it. And so the knots that are surrounding that knot may not have broken the surface. They may not have come up into conscious awareness, but now they're a lot closer to the surface and therefore they could start to influence us, even if we're not consciously aware of them. That's the metaphor of the fishing net. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Also the topic of my next science fiction novel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fishing nets
1: and swimming pools. Yes. There's, yeah. there's a title for it. It probably
2: won't sell well, but uh, it's a passion project. <laughs> you know.
1: So let me try and tie these together because I'm as I am, sure people are thinking, what in the hell are these guys <laughs> talking about?
2: I, I, I'm kind of thinking that at this point a little bit. <laughs>
1: Well, and I genuinely think that this is one of the most interesting topics and that there is at the moment, and that this is something I'm really quite passionate about. So let me take a step back. We know from the book, our book, Ryan, which is The Intuitive Customer, mm-hmm. same name as the podcast, that one of the things that we talked about in that book, one of the key imperatives was that loyalty is a function of memory. Yes. Okay? So, again, getting people to think about this. For you to be loyal to something, you have got to remember it, okay? If every experience that we ever had was new, then we couldn't be loyal, yeah. know, because um, clearly loyal is sort of repetitive. Implications are it's repetitive. Memory becomes really, really, really important, okay? If you're trying to create customer loyalty, memory becomes really important. So let's park that piece for the moment. The second piece is about your fishing net, which I think is a great analogy because the fishing net is the memory of the customer's interaction with the organization over that period of time. But it's also about the customer's awareness, memory of what's happening in the marketplace. It's also built up of When somebody turns around to you and says, Oh, I had this really bad experience with my cable company last week, or you just listen to the intuitive customer podcast and you hear me rattling on about how great Apple is and how bad cable companies are, those things sink into your memory and are part of that fishing net as well. The leap I've got to is I love technology. So as we've started to look at the whole area of AI where you get to is you realize that AI has the capacity to be able to effectively understand all of those interactions and effectively
2: build a phishing net. Does that make sense? Yeah. So kind of understand potentially where these connections exist in memory and then help you try to influence those structures?
1: Yeah. So effectively, if you start to think about it, and the way I've got this sort of picture in my brain, which is, so if you can imagine your swimming pool and you can imagine your fishing net in the swimming pool, those individual memories have been built up by different pieces of data coming in. Okay, so an important aspect of this is what data is being brought in. Okay. But effectively, you could argue that that fishing net is big data the lots and lots of information that exists about customers in different forms in different ways at the moment but consolidated into one area which is effectively this ai yeah and it can then learn and process that information so the image that i've got in my brain is that your fishing net another way of describing it is like a memory map, yeah. If for the people that listening to this podcast that do journey mapping, the customer does this, this, and now think of a memory map. Think of a map that maps out what a customer's memory is. So 10 years ago, the customer contacted us about this problem. Five years ago, they contacted us about this problem. And six months ago, they put something on Twitter about how great we were or whatever else. But effectively, the AI system would be able to build up the equivalent, this is a bit of a leap, but in very broad sense, of the what the customer's memory is or what the customer's memory is likely to be. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah.
2: And I'm going to shut up in a minute, but you can tell I'm getting passionate about these things. Well, I've learned to just stay out of your way. <laughs> and you get fist, so. yeah, absolutely. you wind down eventually.
1: <laughs> I, I do. I uh, run out of steam. So now imagine, therefore, you've got your fishing net, it's in the pool, and you've got all of this. So this is the AI system. It's mapped out the memory. We are now live, okay? And the customer is contacting us in some way. We would be able to predict how that customer is going to feel, okay? Again, we have to assume that the data is going in there to make that, and we can talk about that in a moment. But we should be able to therefore predict how the customer is going to be feeling when they are making that that contact, and maybe even sort of the, the root cause of the reason for that. But also with AI, it should be able to start to go, okay, well, here is this customer, they're calling in, this is their history, this is the memory map that they've got. Therefore, let us offer them this new experience because they are this type of customer. And therefore, we need to say these things, do these things, and offer them this type of experience. I think that when you link the fishing net, AI, memory together, you suddenly get an extremely powerful combination not without its problems and issues and and we'll go on and talk about those things now does that make sense to am i creating this
2: picture in your brain yeah yeah no it 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 sounds very exciting and very difficult technology like this is well outside of my area of expertise so it does border on magic to my (laughs) understanding i think the potential that you're describing is absolutely where this is going right better predictive power
1: yeah and i i I don't think it's to be honest, I don't think it's that far away. No, I, I think you're right. As I say, when I was speaking at this uh, Clara Bridges conference, one of the things that I like about what they've been doing is, one of the things that they do is they scan the Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, and look for what people are saying about an organization. But they are not just looking at sentiment analysis, okay? So effectively, not just looking at the words that the customers uses, but the sentiment that falls underneath that, but also starting to drill down into therefore the emotions and the depth of emotions that customers are feeling. Okay. So all I'm saying is that and I'm sure by the way there are other organizations that that do this type of thing. But you know, that's today. Yeah. You know, let alone what's going to be happening in a couple of years' time. I think the issue for me becomes it's garbage in, garbage out. One of the things that I've talked about before is the fact that we talk about big data. And for me, there's a big hole in big data. And that big hole is the lack of emotional data that there is out there about how the customer's feeling. So there's a ton of bloody information, yeah? Is anybody saying, well, as a result of this, these things that are happening, the customer is feeling that way but I think the the opportunity is for organisations to start to look at that data and start to be able to turn around and understand customer behaviour at the depth that we we talk about it at these podcasts.
0: Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com contact.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that's a really important caveat, a really important warning. I made a joke about this technology seeming like magic some people treat it as if it is magic and can just magically solve problems I, I think it might be worth us taking just a minute to remind people what ai technologies are what machine learning is and, and kind of what they can do and, and the directions that they go in so for a long time the way that data scientists have looked at data is by imposing model structures on them so if you think back to your statistics class, you learned how to run regression models. Regression models, you choose, as a researcher, you choose the form that those models are going to take. Is it going to be a linear model? How many variables are you going to put in there? Is it going to be a quadratic model? Are you going to have um, nested models that work within each other? All of this, though, is top-down designed. And, and you know, usually, smart scientists will try to figure out what shape the data is in so that they can best model it accurately. Machine learning and then to an even more extent, AI takes that structure, that imposed structure out, and it lets the computer iterate and learn. So it just tries things kind of in a brute force fashion over and over again until it comes up with its own relationships and its own structure that meets the needs of the data. Now, what this means is nobody minding the store (laughs) in a way. These models, they talk about training AI models or training machine learning models. And what that means is that you have to feed data into these systems so that they can learn. And this goes exactly back to the point that you're raising. If you train your model using data that doesn't capture everything important, then your AI system is going to come up with some very good outcomes based on Mm -hmm. what it was trained on that may or may not actually relate to real customer behavior and and real things that we care about. So in this world where we're gathering more and more data all the time, this is going to become less of a problem over time. It's less an issue as we get more and more data because then the machine can find all of these hidden relationships that a top-down model might miss. But it's still a a warning and it's good that you brought it up.
1: Yeah, and I I think the other part for me that is key is the interpretation of the data. So one of the issues for me becomes that people need to understand this behavioral economics, because customer behavior, to be able to interpret the data in the right way. My worry is that that skill, that knowledge doesn't exist within organizations. And therefore, they don't know what they don't know. So therefore, when they are starting to create The AI systems, they're not going to include it in the training. So it's not going to be as powerful because they haven't put that into the machine learning that needs to take place. And even if they did, if they don't understand the data and the output that therefore is being given, then they're not going to be able to interpret it in the right way. So I would hope that Anybody listening to this podcast is actually getting into a good position because they're learning all these wonderful new things and therefore how it all happens. However, I know at the moment that this is not a common skill set, to say the least.
2: Yeah, no, that's an understatement.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the other interesting thought that I was having as well, just to share with you, is that when you therefore, because I know this is a, a topic that you love, which is segmentation. Yes, So the interesting thought I was having the other day about this was that now imagine you've got your memory maps, okay? Now imagine that the AI is building these, it's been able to interpret these. The structure of the segmentation becomes quite fluid. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yep. Because you could turn around and say, Well, okay, here we've got all these memory maps. That group of maps is about that type of person. That group of maps about that type of person, blah, 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 blah. And I I don't know if this would even go down to the individual. But there are going to be common things and, and individual things. The segmentation virtually becomes fluid or dynamic based upon what then happens. Because one action, depending on the weight of that action, could force the customer into
2: a different segment. Does that make sense? So it could go even further than that. Uh, One of the promises of of AI is that it can potentially customize things on the fly for individuals, right? So it may do away with the notion of segmentation or, or reduce, if you like, segments down to segments of one, because now you can customize experiences, customize websites, customize offerings for each individual based on their history and based on the other data that you have about them. That is an area of tremendous promise. What makes me nervous about that is, as you say, it does kind of reduce the notion of segmentation down to something that's handled automatically by a machine. Now, that's very, very efficient. And to the extent that you've got good data and, and a good AI model, it can be very effective. It does, though, strip you of some of your strategic insight and some of your power. So from a brand management perspective, I don't even know what brands look like in this universe that we're describing. So if, if we can customize the messaging to you individually and give you exactly what you want, but the message that your neighbor is getting from me about my brand is completely different then going back to this network structure in memory, the brand means something completely different to me than it does to you and than it does to your neighbor, And how do I manage that brand? How do I create a coherent, cohesive experience if we're just kind of chasing what the data tell us this person will like at any given moment? So it's a trade-off. I think that there's tremendous potential in terms of, of efficiency and customization. I worry a little bit about what it means from a strategic standpoint if we turn all of this over to machines. And if your brand doesn't mean anything in particular, kind of across people, then I think that there's a danger that that's also going to reduce your strategic value of that brand, that that people may not need to go back and be loyal to that brand if it doesn't mean anything larger than kind of whatever the AI is saying that it means at any given point in time for you as an individual.
1: Yeah, it makes me reflect actually on the conversation that we were having with Chris. Do you remember about uh, brand personality? So an interesting thing is, And we're starting to see this now. From an experience perspective, it's interesting that when you go on to Facebook or something like that, that different people are getting different messages. Okay. So they've recently had an election in the UK. I heard
2: nothing about that.
1: (laughs) Understandably, rightly so, depending upon the demographics, depending on a number of different factors, you got different messages piped at you okay which again you go fine but the interesting part is that i've started to hear people say oh i didn't see that or i didn't get that message or my message was slightly different and i guess extending your thought is if you suddenly living in a world where everything is individual then it's interesting from a sort of a group collective perspective and it's a bit like you remember that book bowling alone yeah yep where there are certain things that you turn around and go, oh, yeah, did you see this that happened the other day? Or, that you know, there's the offer that I had. And you suddenly go, well, why didn't I get that offer? So if the offers that people are getting are too individualistic without the cohesiveness of the brand at the top. That's what I worry about. And the
2: persona, yeah, then it's just going to become disjointed, isn't it? So I think you're totally right. I mean, politics is an especially interesting case because there has to be some performance after the election, and so if everybody's gotten these highly customized communications that like hit exactly your sweet spot and make you realize that oh this this candidate or this party is going to be exactly what I want because that's the messaging I'm getting, they then have to go and legislate. You know, they then have to go and do something, and it sets up an expectations problem now. Whereas before you might have had to hold your nose a little bit and vote for somebody that only was mostly what you wanted. You then expected that they'd only give you most of what you wanted after they were in office. If everybody is now micro-targeted and expecting exactly what they wanted out of a candidate, candidate can only do so many things. And so you're gonna end up with a lot of disgruntled people. In a business context, there's a similar risk. The offering itself, the experience itself can only be so many things. And so if you are leading people to expect something highly customized based on the highly customized communications that they're getting, there's a potential for blowback there as well.
1: And on that note, let us go and ask our normal question, which is, so what does this mean you should do, particularly in the context of growth? If you're looking to grow the organization, is there anything that people should be
2: doing now or practical advice? Don't get left behind on this. We spend a little bit of time on on some doom and gloom predictions, just in the interest of being realistic and of seeing all sides of this. There are definitely trade-offs there. There are also, and we mentioned these up front, tremendous opportunities there. The ability to really understand people better and at a, at a more individual level and predict better. There's a lot of power there. And, and as you say, I'm sure it is much farther along than even I am aware. And so are you looking into this for your organization? If not, what are you doing? <laughs> you need to, to figure out where this fits within your strategic portfolio? How are you going to use this stuff? Because it's coming.
1: Yeah. And for me, this is a massive area for growth, basically, because you're going to get first mover advantage. What worries me is, I think that most people will start to look at AI from a cost reduction perspective, increasing productivity, blah, 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 blah. And classically, customers will get thought of second rather than first but therein lies an opportunity. If you're looking to, again, you're looking to grow, then there's an opportunity for you to start applying this type of thinking with customers. I think the other thing for me is really short-term stuff. You gotta to start to understand this stuff. Uh, and, and for me, that there is gonna be this convergent between, and I love this phrase, the humanizing of technology and how AI can humanize the technology to be able to provide an experience that people believe is coming from a person that's not necessarily coming from a person. But you've also got to start to think about it, again, practical sense. You've got to start thinking about from what is your brand, what is your persona, what's the experience that you're trying to give your customers? And again, key thing for growth, do these things drive value? And you've got to have some pretty good research when you're doing this to, to ensure that this all heads down the right track. So we hope that's been of uh, of use to you. If you've got any suggestions on topics you would like us to cope with, then please drop us a line at contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. Or if you just want to drop us a line and say hi, it's always great to hear from our listeners. So Thanks very much, and talk to you next time. Bye-bye.
0: This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.